0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: How you doing? I'm the driver you called
0: to take home your girlfriend. Not a girlfriend, Matt. Oh, credit card was invalid. Give yourself a nice tip, huh? I heard about these. I've never seen one before. Yeah, well, now you have. You're not going to ask me if she got home Okay.
1: Okay. I'm going to need anything
0: you might have used to record what you did here tonight.
1: Hello and welcome to the Playlist Podcast, a discussion about film news and other film, television, television, and pop culture related items. Uh, welcome to a special bonus episode that we're doing here. Uh, I'm Ryan Oliver and I'm once again joined by Octa Kozak. How's it going, Octa? uh it's going good we're gonna we're gonna get everything equalized oh god yes so we're here we're gonna do a little brief uh just kind of what we've been watching recently um <laughs> and then we're gonna do a, a review of the equalizer 2 uh just a little brief review and um i'm gonna say this up front we're gonna spoil it like so if, yeah if don't you... <laughs>
0: don't see it anyway we're gonna get into it <laughs> if, you you know.
1: if you have any interest in seeing the equalizer 2 like it's like I, i'm not gonna shame you like like I wouldn't saw it you saw it so like we're not going to shame you but if you do have interest walk away now because we we're going to spoil the entire movie it
0: it was my job to see it for a review what was your excuse I guess this podcast this
1: podcast so I got it I got a little bit of an excuse (laughs) (laughs) but uh before we dive into it um we we were going to do a little brief like what we've been watching lately so I'll 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 give you honors and and ask what uh what you've been catching up with recently what's on your mind
0: So I watched two great movies. Um, Both of them, I would give um, like five out of five. I think they're terrific. One of them's in theaters. One of them's on uh, video on demand right now. And um, the one that I saw in in theaters at the press screening is uh, Bo Burnham's uh, first feature, Eighth Grade. I still need to see that. Um, I you know as much as i appreciate what a film like lady bird was going through and all that it's just watching something as refreshingly just honest and immediately relatable and just beautiful but but just brutally grounded uh, at the same time as this film um, yeah it was just it was just something else i think the 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 main girl in it elsie uh, oh shit I don't know her name but anyway the the girl who's like the 8th the grader um, and she's just going through she's an introvert and she has social anxiety and she's going through all these growing pains and she doesn't know what to do with them and it's a film that like handles these things in an incredibly uh, delicate um, insane, incredibly sympathetic and empathetic way uh, without making it cutesy without making it giving it that kind of like quirky indie feel it's very kind of in your face and honest about like modern kids. Uh it it has some beautiful loving moments. It has some moments that are just cringeworthy because of all the like kinda awkward sexual stuff that uh eighth graders um kind of go through. That uh I was very impressed how Bo Burnham doesn't pull back on a couple of these moments. Um and the main all of the performances, the the kid performances down to the very last like extra I I don't know how he got those performances out of them. I, it just feels like he didn't even like tell these kids that there was a camera running, uh, and it just they just acted naturally. Uh, I don't know, but it's 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 incredible the way that he captures all that and the central performance in it. I think um, this uh, this young girl should get um, all the awards of whatever's available for the end of the year awards uh, season. I thought she was terrific.
1: Nice. I, um, I haven't got a chance to see it yet. Uh, my wife and I are really excited to go check that movie out. I, I considered seeing it when I was in New York before it had opened in uh, Seattle and Portland, but uh, I was just there for work and was too busy and never made it. But it's uh,
0: it's it's Elsie Fisher. That's her name. Elsie Fisher. She is terrific. Okay. And and this is by the way coming from someone who cannot stand Bo Burnham's. Um, stand up i'm the same um, way well i
1: cannot stand might be a strong word for me but he's just he's not my jam i guess like i i appreciate him in the standpoint of like i think he's like doing things that are fresh and things that are different and 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 he's a young guy too like i i I respect him without really clicking with his stuff but um but i've heard like from you telling me now and i've heard from other people are like hey i'm not crazy about his comedy but this movie's really really great so um, I'm really, really looking forward to that one.
0: And my my second is um, uh, Lynn Ramsey's "You Were Never Really Here." Yes, um, that is out on VOD right now. I don't know if it's out on Blu-ray or it is. It's out on Blu-ray. Yeah, uh, you probably have a copy. Not yet, missing.
1: but I will be oh, okay. soon. Okay. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, this was um, brutal. It's one of those. It's 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 brutal, but it's, it's It's I don't know, man. It's it's one of those films where it's like. I know that it's too soon to call a film a masterpiece when it just came out like recently. I feel but the I have same. <laughs> a, I can say that like time is going to be extremely um, favorable to this film. Uh, uh, a lot of, I have a feeling that a lot of other films um, that could also be like deserving and all that, that would get like tons of awards this year and going to make big splashes and stuff like that. But I have a feeling like down the line, a couple of years down the line, this film's going to be, uh, seen as something special because it takes the um, the kind of typical story structure and beats of like a vigilante fantasy, like hitman who got wronged and now he's like exacting revenge. Like we've seen thousands of those movies uh, going back to John Wick, um, and you know even like The Equalizer, yeah, uh, Equalizer two. Um, which maybe might be part of the reason why I hated The Equalizer 2 so much because uh, as bad as it was, it, it's even worse when you f- see a film that's, that has kind of the same plot but is handled so incredibly uh, brutally in your face but also just kind of poetic in many ways. Uh, it's, there are some moments in this film that are just downright gorgeous and beautiful but in a in a very sad and haunting way um it's uh it's basically just Joaquin Phoenix is a, is a hitman who lives with his mother and he gets double-crossed and goes after the bad guys I and mean, that's it's the, the the people who hired him or whatever it's it's basically that's the gist of it but the way Lynn Ramsey t- takes that uh premise and takes that the tropes of this genre and flips it on their head in a way that like makes you uh, face the real consequences of the violence and makes you like kind of puts you face to face with like how someone who might be doing stuff like this might not be the coolest or the most like well-adjusted person in the world. In fact, uh, he's a character who suffers from PTSD. And this is one of the, this might be the only film I can think of that like really puts you inside the mind of what's going on inside the mind of someone going through PTSD. And he she does it just with like very quick visuals and using Johnny Green, Greenwood's um, fantastic score. So good. And it's just, and there's no like, long dialogue exposition about his backstory what happened to him where his ptsd comes from all you get is like quick glimpses of uh flashbacks and that's all you need yeah and it it's this movie without the credits it's, it's like it's like 80 minutes long and it packs in three hours worth of storytelling and just thematic arc and character arc and all that stuff with Ramsey's tiny little runtime.
1: It's Ramsey's like bread and butter. Like she she doesn't she gives you everything you need to know through visual, through sound, and and every tool for cinema without like having to be overexpository and without wasting a second. Like we know everything we need to know about joe in this movie like we know he suffers from ptsd we know that there's a lot of tenderness beneath his bravado we know that he had this like rough upbringing and we know why he's doing the things that he does but like the movie doesn't waste any time lingering on that because it's still propelling the story forward
0: yeah there's there's no dumbass monologue of like you know um one of the bad guys saying like oh he used to be in seal team blah blah and then this happened yep. and then he quit and then he became a hitman and like, all that shit it's just like very kind of subtle very quiet incredibly in fact impactful and the way that the the violence scenes are handled um are are cold and distant to a point that spins it in completely full circle and makes makes it so much more brutal than in your face kind of graphic movie violence that you
1: would see yes and that's and, what I love uh, about it, too, is, like, the movie doesn't glorify or linger on it. It doesn't fetishize the violence because this is just the life he lives. Like, and, like, like,
0: <laughs> like you think, like, he's going to grab 20 guns and he's going to go in the building and shoot everybody. No, nope. he just walks in with a fucking hammer.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's cut from the <laughs> surveillance camera angles. And it's not like – and that's the other thing I love about and this movie, too. it's just blunt
0: and ugly and yeah. just – there's nothing sexy it's about not the It's not enjoyable for
1: this character or and and no. therefore it's not supposed to be for the audience because every single thing is from the from joe's perspective and so like it's yeah it's not supposed to be glamorous it's not supposed to yeah, be that, that, like, that's, why the,
0: that's why the ending is so tragically beautiful because uh. because you expect in a movie like this you expect this cathartis of like okay everything is done but like you know there's a there's a young girl character in it without spoiling much where like what happens with her and with her and him at the very end, uh, this very silent, but just incredibly poignant moment, like tells you everything you need to know about, like, why he acts the way he does at the very end. That's I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But but yeah, this is a this is a kind of an incredible, um, beautiful in, in its own way, uh, but like insanely brutal film that I think. People who are especially fans of this kind of like vigilante revenge fantasy action genre should definitely uh, check it out because you'll never see anything else like it within this genre.
1: No, absolutely. It's really unique. And and, um, if you can't tell by my uh, sharing your enthusiasm, it's my number one movie so far of the year like leaps and bounds like there's there's no question I, yeah my i remember
0: you saying that that's why i was just like okay with you and eric eric mcclanahan um bringing it up so many times i was just like i have to finally see this thing and i'm so happy i did because this was it was terrific awesome
1: i'm happy you did too and i'm happy that you loved it uh just as much as 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 him and i did it's it's uh it's truly truly something really good Um, yeah i I,
0: I don't think it's it's gonna make i don't think it's gonna make much of a splash this year but it's one of those films that i think because it is it is kind of like you have to grapple with this movie it's not it's not this kind of like you know you watch a really well-made dramatic kind of oscar bait film and like you kind of walk away from it this is the one that like would make people feel feel a little uncomfortable and that's the kind of movie that usually doesn't get much attention when it first comes out but like i feel like couple years down the line, people are going to start paying attention to it.
1: Absolutely. Time's going to be really, really kind to of this movie. I have, I have so, a feeling. So do you have a couple of uh, recommendations? Mm-hmm. Sure, I do. A uh, couple things I've been watching. Um, I recently caught up with Lean on Pete uh, on a Plane. Uh, this is the latest film from Andrew Hay, who directed 45 Years. Um, and it's a, a movie about a young uh, young boy named Charlie, played by, uh, played by Charlie Plummer, who was in... Um, uh what was it? The Ridley Scott movie. All, all the, all money, the, in the all money in the world. the money world. Yeah, yeah, So uh so Scott Charlie Plummer, uh who who plays a, a kid who just moved from uh with his dad from Spokane to Portland. So the movie is a Pacific Northwest set hmm. movie, Pacific Northwest shot movie. Um and he gets a job uh caretaking at this uh guy's ranch uh played by Steve Buscemi who's absolutely terrific in this movie um and and he gets attached to this horse named Leon pete um who's who's a racehorse but he's starting to age and so when that happens that that's doesn't bode well for the mm-hmm. the racehorse and so it's it's a it's a on the surface it's a boy and his horse movie but it's a really unsentimental like brutally kind of depressing but ultimately really emotionally fulfilling coming of age movie mm. like it it's it's one of those movies that like uh I thought I was done with this type of movie like the pre-Birdman Yuri 2 type of like miserable mm. movie. I was like mm. I'm, I'm I'm done with these like movies that like not I'm all for movies that will challenge you and like make you uh, see different walks of life mm-hmm. like, like I love mm-hmm. that but those ones that don't have like a higher function like mis- misery
0: misery porn
1: <laughs> yeah exactly for lack of mm-hmm. yeah for lack of a better term the misery porn but I I do feel like this one it, like really hit and maybe it's because it's like in my backyard a lot of it's in Portland a lot of it's in eastern Oregon eastern Washington like these are stomping grounds I've known my whole life so it's kind of mm-hmm. like there's a little bit of like personal connection to it Um, but it's a really it's It's a really unsentimental movie, but I think it's a really worthwhile movie at the same time. Um, so like I know that it doesn't sound like I'm selling it a lot to people because it is a bummer, but like <laughs> no, I do... it sounds
0: it sounds cool it sounds interesting
1: it is interesting um yeah. and then um a couple like and
0: and andrew Andrew Hay is a um yeah i he's one of those directors that I appreciate but not entirely love, but I mm-hmm. heard really good things about this one, so i might
1: I might check it out. It's worth checking out for sure and then, like a couple more brief things um. Eric and Joe talked about it on adjust your tracking. So you could listen to that episode on our feed, but I did watch, sorry to bother you. Uh, My wife and I went to go see that uh, a couple weekends ago and it's, um, I really like it. I think it's a messy movie for sure, but I think it's, it's just, it's so jam packed with ideas and frustrations. Yeah, I, I really want to see that. You should, it's, you should definitely check it on, out. It's on top of my list. I'm gonna, I'm gonna check it out as soon as I can. It's worth seeing, and so I don't really have too much to add to that that hasn't already been said. Um, but I, I do think it's worth seeing for sure, and I, I can't wait to see it again because I think it's one of those movies that, like, you know, I really liked on first viewing, but I think it's one of those that will potentially age very very well and i will get more on it on a second viewing so i'm looking forward cool. to that cool. and then so oh go ahead go oh like very last thing quickly and and i'm actually hoping to do a whole episode um about this coming up but uh i did watch or or at least attempt to watch in 24 hours and fell asleep during it the uh the last drive-in marathon with joe bob Briggs on oh. shutter um so that was on friday the 13th in july and um nice yeah, they brought back Joe Bob Briggs. Which, if if for those listening, any any, any
0: highlights in the movies, any ones that like st- stuck out to you?
1: Um, yeah, I mean they they did uh they they I thought they had a really eclectic mix of both like really like trashy like drive-in grindhouse movies, but also some really great movies. Like for example, uh, they did like they did Sleepaway Camp and they did Pieces. Like as far as the like trashier end, mm. but they also did. Reanimator, and they did Hellraiser, and um, oh, so, that, so they didn't—they didn't make it like too obscure. No, I, I there was like um God, I, and I can't remember the movie for the life of me. There was one movie that was like, out of all of them, like even as a huge horror movie person, there was one movie where I was like, I haven't even heard of that. But everything else, I'm like, oh, I've, I've, if they are on the more obscure end, I at least heard of them. If I hadn't seen them, like they, isn't did.
0: it like some of the notorious like so bad it's good movies like some of them get kind of um discovered on that right like i I remember a couple years ago what was that one to catch a yeti was one that like was like randomly shown on on the um the 24 hour is that is that thing like done by joe bob briggs like the the actual thing that where it's like it's in the theater and it's just like 24 hours of I don't know if uh, that just is movies. that th- might be done by. I think, I think he by... adapted that into that that Shutter thing.
1: He he did well. He did like he did the drive-in like for the movie channel for years, and then did Monster Vision on mm. TNT, which was basically the same show, but it, but like on a different network, and that was canceled, I think, in two thousand. But I think mm. he's but I think he's hosted like actual stuff, um, like at theaters themselves. Mm. Uh, I could be wrong. I have to do my research on that, but yeah, um, don't don't quote me on this stuff either. That's sure. what I thought he was doing. <laughs> no problem, but they did, but they did bring him back uh, for Shutter um, for this for this marathon, the last drive-in. Which it's funny that they they called it that because it was supposed to be like a like a, a farewell and and uh, last time mm-hmm. he was doing this, but it was so successful that they are going to do another one by the end of nice. 2018. So, which is really exciting. So yeah, they like I said, they had a really eclectic miss of like horror classics like Hellraiser, and then they had movies like Pieces and Sleepaway Camp and uh, mm. um, uh, Blood Feast, the Herschel Gordon-Lewis movie. Uh, they, did, oh, yeah. they did Rabid, um, David Cronenberg uh, movie. David
0: Cronenberg, yeah. Yeah, so they, they had cool. a
1: really strong mix of movies, and so I fell asleep about, like, tw- 12, between 12 and 1 a.m., because... I can't stay up twenty four hours. <laughs> <anymore>. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I woke up at like six a.m. I think and like continued on. Like I fell asleep at the end of Rabid, going into mm. the Prowler, and then I woke mm. up during Blood Feast, and then they went into Basket Case. So, so it's
0: a, it's a streaming service, but they had like a live stream for this one. Yeah. So
1: Shutter, um, so Shutter has their like VOD. They have their stuff. You mm-hmm. know, you could stream on 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 demand, but they also uh if you subscribe through shutter directly they have shutter tv uh which is which is always like they always have something playing on there so that that was how they did um the marathon and um incidentally enough if you are subscribed to shutter directly or if you subscribe to shutter through amazon channels you can go and watch all the movies uh now with the joe Mm -hmm. bob briggs they were originally not going to they're like this is a one-time thing uh, mm-hmm. if you don't if you miss it on the marathon you miss it entirely um
0: but now you can watch it with his introductions and You can watch
1: it with his introduction mainly nice. because um and it's it's unfortunate and I know the folks at shutter worked really really hard to get it back up the stream biffed like right out the gate like they had oh, no. so many viewers like so many um they, they just got more people than anticipated which is why they're doing it again and it's great um mm-hmm. but but like for the first like uh, i think tourist trap was the first movie they did and i i missed um That I went back and watched it on on the service, but I I missed it. And then I think, like, first 20 minutes of the sleepaway camp, which was the second movie, it it did finally pop back on. But it was buffering for a good, like, almost Mm. two hours. So... Um, so because of that, and because they're strong with their customer service, they're like, Hey, we're going to make it completely available for you to watch anytime on shutter. So
0: nice. Good on, good on, good on shutter.
1: Very good on them. So if you, if you missed it, if you missed the marathon and you're like, I can't stay up 24 hours to dedicate the time it's on shutter. You can watch them. I highly recommend it for both the great movies and also Joe Bob Brooks' commentary is hilarious and insightful. So sweet. Uh, I recommend sweet. that. So um
0: so do you wanna put on a ridiculous fake beard and take
1: a train to Istanbul? <laughs> sure, let's do it. I guess let's let's take that band-aid off.
0: So my number five, I need you guys to like really hear me out before you lynch me uh-huh. over this. Um but my number five, God help me, is The Equalizer. Oh, Ooh, my. Wait, my wait. Mind. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Whoa. Hear me out. <laughs> this is an underrated movie as... This is underrated as a bad, like, good, bad action movie.
1: This is a bad movie. Mm, I, I'm yes, like, I have yes. a... So, I'll so I I i, I I'll let you... We can do our best, maybe both, to describe. But I'm going to ask you, why... Why are we talking about the equalizer 2 exactly? Because <laughs> uh, uh, the because uh, partly because
0: Denzel Washington's character <laughs> and the world that this these movies inhabit are so ridiculously black and white, without any gray area, that um, I find his like kind of. Um, no tolerance policy against criminals kind of hilarious in in some ways um i mean uh you can you can cut to that clip but uh, i remember in 2014 when the first equalizer came out and we were doing our year end um overrated and underrated movies for the over under movies podcast and i remember you two just like when I brought it up as an underrated pick, you two were just like baffled. But then I kind of clarified and I was just like, like I understand, like this is a bad movie. Like <laughs> it's a bad <laughs> character. It's a bad movie. But it's I find it like fascinating. I mean, first of all, one of the reasons was because I thought it was the probably one of the funniest movies easily of 2014, intentional or <laughs> un- unintentional. Doesn't really matter to me. But But mainly because like I find the idea of, the hero straight up acting like a full on villain, and that not being even referenced in any kind of self aware way to be like fascinating because this character who's kind of like a vigilante figure or just like stands up for the neighborhood and like fights a like, fight against crime in this world where every single character that inhabits this world is either an angel without who needs to be protected, who are pure souls um, uh, that needs to be cultivated and protected. And, or you're a bad guy who needs to be just like either bludgeoned with a hammer or cut into 20 pieces or whatever. You you need to die. Like if you're any kind of criminal, like there's one hilarious scene in the first one where this kind of scared young boy like comes into his, he works at the home Depot in the first movie. He comes into the home Depot and like, uh, robs one of the cashiers at gunpoint. Right. Right. And it's just like this, like what that kid deserves is the, I know what happens in the movie where he just like basically (laughs) takes a giant hammer from the home Depot, goes to the kid's house, bludgeons him to death with the hammer and that cleans the hammer and puts it, it puts back, it back because, the because stealing is wrong. Is the, like that, that kind of morality that like that's put upon this character, I find to be kind of just, just kind of really funny because it's just like, there's no kind of, uh, like, like I don't even want to use the word subtlety near anything that has to do with equalizer one or two. Um, <laughs> It's just, yeah, it's just like these movies are as blunt and as stupid and as just binary, like has this like disgusting moral binary that's taken to such a point where it it becomes unintentionally funny. And that was my thing about the first movie. And I think the first movie was so just back-to-back ridiculous scenes. Like there's the one scene where he like puts the – Puts a hose into like the the uh, the car's exhaust and puts it in the car and like like torches the guy by like you know drowning him and trying to get him in- information out of him. There's this one scene where um, that typical badass scene where the hero is like walking away in slow motion. I was going to bring okay. that up. Yeah,
1: Rod but, mentioned but, that in his review, but they do it so unironically like they're doing it, it it's,
0: like... that's what's so funny about it is that none of it has any kind of whimsy or irony no or like it's all it's all sincere and straight-faced and it's hilarious uh so the first movie i find it i find to be funny and the second movie is just oh my god it's it's the it's the dreck that i, I mentioned like the moral dreck and the kind of straight up like fascist behavior of the film without the so bad it's good funny moments of the first one to like carry me through. So I, I thought it was just like ugly and incredibly boring, uh, just ridiculously written, and just looked like nobody was interested in doing even like a halfway decent job. There are straight up shots in this movie that look underexposed to the point where you see tons of like digital noise.
1: Yes. I don't know if you noticed that. I did notice that. uh, There was another scene too. um, It's like the confrontation with when like the mystery is like solved, like when it's like leading into Mm -hmm. third act and he confronts uh, like the, the four people who are behind the the thing that happened. And Mm -hmm. like, it sounds like he's underwater, like his dialogue. Like, I don't know if they like, it was like uh, they actually recorded outside or they didn't re-record his lines, Denzel's I mean, but like, it sounded Mm -hmm. like, weirdly muted and muddled and I'm just like but why that doesn't it
0: it feels like a lot of the stuff in the during the production you know the the cinematography and the the sound design ADR and stuff everything is just kind of like ah fuck it you know
1: (laughs) yeah and it's "Ah, let's just move on whatever it has
0: that kind of like attitude it just feels it watching it like I looked at the budget afterwards and I was just like it's like 65 or 70 million or something like that and it looks like an asylum ripoff of the first movie. It that does, but somehow I also asylum got their hands on like Denzel Washington and made this movie for like like a tiny, tiny budget.
1: But it also makes a little bit of sense in the standpoint of I feel like the first one, and and maybe I'll look this up as I'm I'm talking here. But I thought the first one had a budget of like closer to a hundred million, like it was like mm. ninety to hundred million. So I'm wondering if like because the first one did like good enough, but like. Uh, they're like, hey, we're going to cut the budget a little bit for the sequel. And maybe that explains why there's like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, like the movie's blunt and stupid and it's not like I, but like part of it was how ridiculous the first one was. And so it's like, why is there like no action in this movie either? Which yes. is strange, but. um,
0: there, There's but... The, the, the big action sequence at the very end, but you can't see shit because it's just covered in like uh, clip art storm cgi basically like, I, you can't see anything
1: i have a hunch that the creators of the hurricane heist is going to sue for that like third act of the movie um, yeah, any,
0: any movie that makes hurricane heist look like a masterpiece is not doing a no it's not job. doing a great job
1: <laughs> um shout out to hurricane heist but um oh okay never mind the first one i guess had a budget and of 55 nin-
0: million. ninja star hubcaps <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah exactly
0: that's, that's <laughs> yeah.
1: uh so yeah the first one had a budget of 55 and it looks like the second one is 62 which is weird because like for all
0: looks like it has a way bigger budget it does i
1: was gonna say for all the stupidity of the first one it looks like a million bucks like there's no question about it um a little bit i wanted to like flesh out a little bit more context to the the uh, discussion as to why we're talking about this movie and it's it's a bummer that um that eric isn't able to join us in this Mm. discussion um but the first movie and i think maybe i just lacked the self-awareness of myself but uh i i did enjoy the first one as well as like looking back on it as a so bad it's good but um eric and i watched this movie at the press screening in in portland when i still lived in portland at the at the lloyd center imax at 10am and we were sat in like the front like the back row of the front section and so we're sitting there and like the first 30 minutes of the first equalizer is a slog. Like they mm-hmm. go so far out of the way to show that Robert McCall is such a good guy that they will yeah. that so the movie excuses all the like sociopathic shit he does later on. But uh but that very I think the first scene is that the aforementioned one with the hammer where where he takes the hammer and he goes and beats the guy up and then he mm-hmm. cleans the blood off the hammer and puts it back on the shelf. And like when that happened Eric who is a seat away from me goes equal (laughs) and and uh and he did that during every single like moment like that in the movie and for me that that
0: became kind of like an inside joke for the three of us for the last three years it became a really long-running joke because like for
1: me i'm that type of person where i'm like i don't want to uh if i'm not enjoying the movie like if the person next to me might be like i don't want to like show any signs or like ruin their experience but i'm like oh this this is kind of bad and then when that moment happened and it it like broke the tension where i was like okay good like we're on the same page this movie's really stupid and then it became enjoyable after that and so it was like okay and
0: and, well. and, uh, and it's one of those things where it's like that moment is like where the roller coaster of stupidity reaches its peak and then it's just all like
1: just just crazy stupid from there it is and then the, like so it's like oh of course like i'm all on board this second one like how ridiculous is this movie going to be and i think i think i figured it out partially like or, or like mainly why this movie doesn't work not just the fact that it takes itself seriously because the first one does, too. The first and that's one what, does, too. Yeah. And that's what makes it kind of magical because it's like it's so stone faced about how it's taking itself, but stupid. And it's just like mm. that kind of perfect cocktail of of misguided movie making. But this movie is like, OK, this movie is mainly a revenge narrative. And it's really hard to do a revenge narrative when you really don't care about the revenge or the person getting the revenge. is like a one dimensional caricature anyway oh, or, or,
0: or when when you can tell like pretty much the second the movie opens who's gonna die and who's gonna turn out to be the turncoat typical turncoat bad guy yes you you it's everything is uh you can see everything coming from a while away and this is not even coming from like kind of a Snobby film critic, oh, we see everything, but with Jada, it's like if you've seen a handful of these movies, it's insanely easy to like figure out, yeah, who's, who's gonna die and who's gonna turn out to be the bad guy,
1: yeah. And you could figure that out in most movies, but usually the difference is if you're on board the experience of the movie, that shit doesn't so, okay. matter, yeah, like yeah. you're, you're yeah. on board it, you're like, okay, maybe that was predictable, or but like, or it's you... just a
0: slog and it's cliched, it's
1: yeah, you're it's you, bad... you know, you know, yeah. and so it's just it's it's a rough experience, it's it's a movie. But it's, like, it's really bad. I, I had this epiphany walking out of the movie where I'm, like, it's really bad, but it's just already enough that I feel like we're going to see in, like, 10 and 15 years, if we're still here in 10, 15 years, that uh, that there's going to be, like, think pieces that you'll see on Twitter about, like, why the Equalizer <laughs> movies are actually great. and <laughs> of then like course. And, like, a breakdown of why. Like, I, I just – I have that hunch. I'm, like, there's going to be, yeah. a, like uh. – and 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 then, and then we'll be sitting there just being like, no, these were bad then. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but, but it... and, and
0: another thing is that they don't even get the the premise right because the the one premise that makes this these these films, at least the first one, unique was that you have this like badass like straight up superhero um, guy with like a with like a spy kind of like a James Bond or Eton Hunt past kind of living, like, a simple life, but, like, he's using those skills to help, like, regular neighborhood people. And in the second one, that's completely thrown out the window, and it becomes just, like, a generic, like, spy thriller. Like, he gets back into, like, the spy world to, like, exact revenge and all that. So that whole idea of, like, oh, he's just helping the little guy is just, like, it's kind of... And some of that, the attempts at that, that happens is just, like, reeks of, like last minute, like reshoots. Um, And they don't, they can't even get that like simple premise, right? It's just like, it's, it's, it just, you know, the whole thing about like, I thought the whole thing about him was that he's uh, a, like he's helping the every, every man, he's helping the, the little people and that's out the window.
1: Yeah. Well, it's there a little bit, but like it's only for specifically one character Um, but yeah, that
0: that one you can tell, you know, we said we're going to spoil things, but that, that one, that character is pretty much all there just so the bad guys can capture him and exactly as a hostage at the very end. And that's not a thing that you can see coming a mile away yeah Yeah,
1: it's pretty rough it's really rough and and then like but then like I guess there's some like he helps people as like and I made a joke on on both Twitter and my letterbox because I didn't write much for my review all I said was uh, like you mentioned you were never really here and all I wrote was you were never really good like that's (laughs) the only like review because like the first 40 minutes of this movie basically is that like he's just like helping random people Um, like especially the opening where he's like helping a, a kidnapped daughter get back to to, to her mother. I'm like, okay, well, it's this... like his
0: whole thing was like the neighborhood, like it's just like immediate area. How the fuck do we go to like James Bond land with him in like a disguise and turkey that was like a not even bomb it was like a mission impossible opening or something it, and it was, is
1: it's so it strange because the, the rest it, of the it movie looked is like in...
0: a last minute reshoot too. like there was like yeah. oh
1: we need to look for this movie because the last the rest of the movie is in boston or cutting between boston and like some stuff in in uh, brussels which by the way talk about a lack of faith in the audience every time it cuts to brussels it literally says in the text uh, brussels and i'm just like well like we know like come on like we, we... Oh, well, one of the one of the worst ones was like
0: he cuts to washington dc and there's a close-up of the um the taxi uh getting close and on the side of the taxi it says dc cab yes and right next to that the 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 superimposed title is like washington dc it's like it's on the cab like you can oh god the audience could just like look at the cab and be like oh this must be like washington dc it's like that's it's just like the you know, the way that they they uh, Fukua and you know you just treat people like they're morons. Like it just looks like he just nobody had any desire to make this movie, even less than the first one. And it's just, um, you know, like the whole thing about I feel like there's a lot of things that were just like last-minute additions that they had no idea what to do with. What was the point about? Uh his friendship with the with the old Holocaust survivor. Yeah, I was wondering that too. I was gonna fighting, bring that up. Like like it, it feels like they forgot about that plot line altogether. And then they finished the movie and they were about to um like send it for distribution, and then like a day before someone brought up like, Oh, we forgot to uh close on this subplot and then they shot this like incredibly awkward
1: uh, I quick I, I forgot I
0: kind of put it to a closure.
1: When that happened, I had forgot all about that. And then and then it happens and and it's just yeah. so baffling and, and and for like a minute you're like who is this? What's going on? Why? It's so strange. Um how much how much product placement wise? How much do you think Lyft <laughs> paid for this? I was
0: bring that up?
1: For this movie. <laughs> I mean,
0: Sony is notorious for shameless product placement but even for them but usually
1: but usually it's their own product though like they're shameless about their own stuff which which is actually
0: ghostbusters and james Bond, which
1: is pretty minimal in this movie i think like one phone is like a sony phone and that's about Mm -hmm. it like because i always look when i because i first of all side tangent bar i hate the new like logo where it's like the sony and then it goes into like columbia or Mm tristar or whatever it's just open with the columbia logo it's it's i i hate that yeah. so like but it, but it automatically puts like a target for me to look for the sony product placement because i know it's a sony movie but i mean this was adam
0: sandler level shameless like the movie stops at one point to straight up give give you, him a star like, rating a commercial <laughs> He's like, leave me commercial. a five
1: leave better leave me a five star rating after he beats up yeah and then it actually like shows a close-up of the of phone <laughs> yeah. yeah it's so it bad just it's embarrassing. like there's no other yeah. word for it. It's just embarrassing. Um, yeah,
0: that, that's really embarrassing there There are some like see the thing about this uh this series is it's just like missing all these opportunities for some really interesting subversion into this like genre tropes. uh like like there's this one scene that could have been so interesting where um uh, we're gonna just spoil it again, where Danzel Washington goes to see his like old buddy. And then, like, there's this like typical scene of like, oh, it's revealed that his buddy is actually the bad guy, but he's at his kind of like very simple family man like suburban home, and uh, this one point where um, they they have this like tense exchange because he just found he just like kind of, he's, he he just found out that he's the bad guy, and he's basically his and the bad guys. Um, Wife and two small kids walk into the kitchen, and so they have to like cut it off and pretend like they're buddy buddy. And then um, Denzel Denzel just like tells the bad guy and the other bad guys like I'm going to kill you all. And the, the little girl like shows up and she's like Hey, do you want us to give you a ride or whatever? And then she turns to the little girl and she's kind of like playful with the little girl in front of the the father, who he just said he's going to kill like brutally. And then he's, like, being playing all nicey-nicey with the family people and stuff. And I'm, like, thinking, like, okay, how many times have you seen this exact same scene in an action movie? But it's always the villain who does that. I
1: noticed that. I thought of that exact same You know same what I thing. mean? It's
0: always the villain who's just, like, maybe there's, like, a kid around. And he's being, like, super friendly with the kid while also, like, kind of quietly giving threatening signals to the hero. Yeah, You know, how many times have you seen that movie, especially in action movies where kids are involved? And I feel like this was the first time that I've seen in a movie where the hero, the the person that you're supposed to root for, does this. And it's incredibly unsettling. And he's supposed to be like this untouchable, like, moral high ground hero. And it's just so, like... Something could have been done with that, you know, like in the first death wish, like the first time he kills someone he comes back home and throws up because yeah,
1: he's haunted by it,
0: he's haunted by it, yeah, at least have a moment where he's like, am I turning
1: into the bad guy? The moral of the story is basically be death wish one or be death wish three, but yeah. <laughs> but don't but don't be this like don't be middle, death wish two, yeah, oh God yeah, don't be, which is basically what this is yeah, sadly yeah. and um but i mean unfortunately this is like god I, I like i hate to sound like a dick but just like this is Antoine Foucault we're talking about you know like mm-hmm. he he's he's so like nobody's told him exactly like what his strengths like his strengths are doing some like weird over-the-top action stuff like he's not a great dramatic filmmaker and he never really has been um, you know, it's just been writing those training day coattails basically for his, his entire career. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, this is, this is a guy who made a movie in which Melissa Leo is threatened by terrorists and starts getting up and doing the pledge of allegiance. Like this is a thing that happened in a movie he made. Did he direct <laughs> it, that one? Olympus has fallen? fallen. Yeah, he did. Oh yeah. That was hilarious. It was, it was hilarious. This is, this is like, this is somebody who, who doesn't like, it's, it's interesting. Cause like, um, Rod and I just did a podcast that dropped this week uh, about the Dark Knight and the 10th yeah. anniversary of the Dark Knight. And we discussed about how like that movie has shaped the sort of like f- not just blockbuster climate, but the the filmmaking climate in general. Like it really changed things up. But I, I guess specifically like big tentpole movies where it, like where there would be a more like gritty or grounded sort of realistic approach to something. But they would forget all the stuff that makes the dark knight so poignant like they would forget yeah. the actual like drama that roots it they would just mm-hmm. apply the actual like grimness mm-hmm. without any and that like the equalizer movies are like 100 guilty of that like they they have this grim grimy like trying to be sort of existential quandary to them but without any of the sort of like nuance or like somberness to back it up and, yeah. and again, that makes the first one funny because it's so misguided. But this one's just, again, this one isn't as crazy. Like, it's not as, like, overtly silly. It's just kind of yeah. bland. There is some, like, the Hurricane Heist-esque third act is a yeah. little enjoyable because it's so... That scene is pretty over-the-top grisly. Like, the violence in that scene is, like... Yeah, really brutal <laughs> like, it goes super over the top in almost a
0: cartoonish way I mean, oh there's yeah one, somebody's like one guts are where, like spilling yeah, out yeah. yeah they could have easily had that entire scene it's i guess to have an excuse to like evacuate that town so that oh, the gun yeah. so that the shootout at the end could happen in an empty town or something like that i mean it was like it was just a series of Everything about this movie is just a series of just bad decisions.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's 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 like it's like the the climactic scene in Batman versus Superman where they're like, oh, it's in an evacuated, it's in a warehouse yeah. where there's like it's like responding to like the mass uh violence. They're like, oh yeah. yeah, it's it's okay, and and maybe it like opens up a pl- like more hide and seek playground. But either way, it's just really strange and it doesn't quite work. Though I will say, I'm not I'm not too mad. I mean, I just they spent two hours on it but it's fine and and before we do start wrapping up i'll I'll talk a little bit of like industry shop this is the first movie i went to go see with the um the amc a-list uh amc Stubbs a-list which they just unveiled it's sort of their answer to movie pass um it's it's uh it's twenty dollars a month you could see three movies a week and it's um it, it, which includes uh imax 3d dolby atmos it, like oh, it cool. inc- includes all the premium theaters and it uh the big perk of it too is like you can reserve you could reserve in advance it's not like movie pass mm. where you had to be within like 100 feet of the theater mm. um mm. you can actually like i reserved my tickets yesterday for uh equalizer 2 so for this afternoon so um so that's really nice and um Basically, I I uh, I I've ranted about this on on social media, but just um, Movie Pass introduced that surge pricing recently, and when they sent that email out, I thought it would be like Lyft or Uber, where it was like, oh, the price is going to hike based on like the demand in your your movie in your on your showing. Like if it's a full yeah. theater, then yeah. It was and, like... and
0: I remember saying you went to a movie with surge pricing, and then it turned out like there was a just handful of people there There was
1: nobody in the theater and well i looked and every movie except for two at every Showtime, were surge pricing so i went uh i went okay like it's not even that it's for extra dollars that's fine but it's that this is our like you're arbitrarily deciding when to surge price like there's no mm -hmm, like actual algorithm for why it is a surge price Mm -hmm. time and Mm -hmm. so um I thought, I'm like, hey, you know, if you watch three movies a week with MoviePass and you did the search pricing, you're now paying more than what yeah. this AMC Stubbs is. So I'm like, you know. And what? you can
0: do the, you know, IMAX 3D and all that stuff. That's exactly. Pretty cool.
1: Yeah. So I I, uh, I figured I'd give it a whirl. I had switched to it and I was like, what better way to break it in than the equalizer too? <laughs> but um, do, do, you,
0: do you remember uh, the scene in Casino where Joe Pesci like pops the guy's eye, eye out? Yes. Uh, with the vice and yeah. then. He gets the name and he's like, you lost a knife or that piece of shit. Like <laughs> I could tell you, like you, you, you reserved uh,
1: tickets for the equalizer too. I, you, you can make fun all you want, but my theater was like half full at four this afternoon, which really? is sh- I'm not wow. shitting you that that was shocking to me. I'm like, cause usually when I go see a movie in the afternoon on a weekday, right after work, it's like not, even if it's a big movie, it's usually not really full. It's like a third full maybe. Um But, like, I got there, like, 20 minutes early and, and, and had my snacks and was just, like, kind of looking. And then, like, all of a sudden, I went to use the restroom at some point in the movie and then walked back to the theater and went, holy shit, this theater's, like, half full. Like, there's actually wow. a lot of people in here. So, um yeah, that was surprising. But, yeah, I, I it is weird that I did that piece of shit for Equalizer, too. But, hey, <laughs> I mean. What it's got to be it had to break it in sometime right so what better yeah, way yeah, and exactly. we got and we got to talk about it for <laughs> way longer than we should have but yeah hey there yeah you go. And
0: that, that that whole sequence at the beginning that's supposed to be in like a uh, train to istanbul or something it's it's funny because me being turkish um yeah i was gonna say, ask you about that he, he says one line in turkish which was actually pronounced pretty well i was surprised but it's so funny how like he goes to the like uh like the bar train uh where you know he goes to the bar and um the guy who plays the bartender is obviously actually Turkish while the people who play the bad guys are not right <laughs> and they're just like doing like whatever phonetic lines that they learned or whatever and the the um yeah the contrast between the guy playing the bartender and the the other like the bad guys was just pretty hilarious to me, but uh you know me and other Turks are gonna be the only ones to to pick up on
1: that totally uh <laughs> but that's that's interesting i was like curious well yeah. uh i mean i guess that's our thoughts on the equalizer too yeah. uh don't go see it don't don't see it um and if you're going to then like that's you know that's on you like we, yeah <laughs> we did we did all we exactly. did our we did our duty uh yeah. so it's completely on you um <laughs> so uh so uh where can we find more of your work octay
0: Uh, Yeah, you can find my stuff on uh, Paste Magazine, movie section. Uh, I write mostly there. And you can also read my DVD and Blu-ray reviews at dvdtalk.com. And also for those, uh, for maybe that one person listening who actually is Turkish, uh, you can find my film reviews in Turkish at beyasparia.com, the number one uh, film website in Turkey. And uh, I wrote the first Turkish
1: review of Mission Impossible Fallout so woohoo awesome no that's great and uh you can find me here <laughs> you can find me here at the playlist podcast uh, on the playlist.net uh writing reviews and doing this podcast and so um if you like this podcast be sure to subscribe to us at the playlist podcast feed you can find us on itunes stitcher or soundcloud uh leave us a comment or rating if you're so inclined it always helps us know what we're doing right what we're doing what we can improve on uh what whatever you have to say positive or negative drop us a line tweet at us uh email us however you, however you see fit um. So go ahead and do that. And, uh, and, and if
0: and if you don't do all of that, we're gonna kill you with a hammer and then return the hammer.
1: Yes, because we keep things equal here on the playlist podcast. Equal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think I think we've I think we equaled out enough for this episode. Yeah. So thank you for uh, thank you for for joining me, Octay. It's it's always great to, to get on mic Yeah, and uh, and and if you're listening, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.